Got me shook from the way your body looks Got me riding hooks, got me feeling like a rook I don't do it by the book, but for you I'll take a look Don't know what your mama took, sweet and spicy like a cook, yeah I'll keep it real, let's make a deal Buy you a meal if you just let me feel Get out your heels, grab on the wheel Back to my place at the top of the hill Don't have regrets, I know what's next She need a fresh, I'll be back in a sec Look at them legs, don't make me beg Back to the room, let me show you my best yeah. Hello and welcome back to Hindsight is 5050. This is episode number 10. I'm your host, J-Rod, with my co-host, B-O-R-G, old retired guy. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing really good. I know the last time we met, um, our last podcast, it was Halloween night and you guys were getting ready to go out. I know Jacob and his family was getting ready to go out. How'd it go? It went well. So um, we, we ended up going over to Karen and Nick's, like we talked about before, had a pizza party. The kids actually decorated their own little sugar cookies, so they had fun. Um, then, and then we kind of headed out and started doing the different loops that are in their sub. Their sub is enormous, so you kind of get to pick the streets based off of their lighting and decoration because you can't make it to every house in the two-hour window before it shuts down. <laughs> And so we got to go everywhere. It started raining in the beginning, which sucked, but luckily it lasted about 20 minutes. It went away um, and it actually made like all the sewers and everything steam. So it kind of gave a creepy vibe. It was kind of cool. Um, and we went around the sub. Uh, all the kids got great candy. They, people loved their costumes. Everybody had a good time. We all got to talk and have fun. Uh, it got dark real quick, so that made it, you know, more fun for the kids. But just seeing what people do to their houses, I mean, they do more than, like, the extravagant families do on Christmas. Like, there, there's this one house that, um, it, it was on, like, the corner uh, of the sub. So it's a rounded internal corner of the sub. So everybody's going to go down that road. Um, their garage was uh like a screen with the decoration hanging down from it so you couldn't see into their house and it looked like wooden planks like it was a wooden ship and then coming out from their garage and probably a 30 foot v was like the front of a pirate ship boat that was a bar and they were all dressed as like pirates from the pirates of the caribbean and they even had a cannon that they shot off um, that's awesome but they had all this stuff and the kids had to like go board the side of the boat to get their candy but th dad this was like a real bar like that's awesome I, no I mean, that's great and that's like and something so like sub, shit you'd put in your basement you know what i mean like yeah. it wasn't like a, a cardboard thing you buy at walmart that looks like a boat <laughs> this was like a real bar it was awesome so so but as far as the rest of the sub, was it a common theme that with all with the young kids 
that the parents were dressed up to. Yes. Um, That's great. I would say you would be an oddball to not be dressed because every person in every house that's giving out candies dressed up, every person with extravagant decorations, like, um, what it's Lego Technics, I think is what it's called. Right. And and it's when they're like electrified or motion activated (laughs) Legos. There's a college professor that that's what he teaches about for like engineering and stuff. And he builds this whole huge like clown circus shit in his yard. And he dresses up like a scary clown and like his buddies, Mike Myers. And, and it's, it's almost like, getting a super quick preview of going through a haunted house. Like you, you kind of got to walk through all the stuff with all the creepy crap to get up to his garage. And it's really cool. Um, so you, you do have the extravagant ones, but even the regular ones giving out candy, they have decorations, um, and costumes as well. Every parent that's with a kid, I I would say, if not every, then 99.9% has a costume on at least to the point where um, even uh, Karen's dad was there and he didn't have like a a whole costume on, but he was kind of leading our pack with a flashlight and an umbrella. And he had like a Burton Ernie shirt on because the grandkids were dressed as Sesame street. <laughs> so, I mean, even like if you're not fully dressed up, you're still That's participating. Awesome. So it, that part was really cool, um, and, and the parents sometimes go out more than the kids do, like go all out more than the kids do. So Oh, yeah, big it's time. A, it's a lot of fun, and you can tell that their whole sub really gets into it. Like even Nick and Karen, like we brought over two big bags of candy. They had their own candy because we, we're not going to be home, right? So sure. So if we can't be there, we want to leave it at the door so kids can get it. But instead, what we do is we just tell, like, the first two waves of people while we're having our pizza party that the candy's next door, and we give the neighbors all the candy. And so the kids know, just from following the previous ones before them, that our candy's at the next house as well. And so they just get a handful of candy instead of, like, one candy bar. Oh, that's cool. And so it all works out real well. And, and uh, I, I mean... Props to Karen and Nick for having us and putting up with us. Obviously, when you add two more kids, it's louder. When you add Melissa and I, it's going to be louder. But I feel like we all had a pretty good time, and we have a really good balance of things um, because you you got people that want to be in front, people that don't care to be or don't mind being in back. So, like, you kind of have the kids surrounded, and you don't have to worry about someone lagging behind. Like, there were times where, you know – JR, my my youngest, might kick his shoe off, and I've got to stop and, and put his shoe on. But then Karen's holding JJ's hand to make sure that he doesn't get lost. Like, so it just that part made it very comfortable. But also, we have a big wagon for the kids. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. they have a dual side by side stroller. So when the kids would get tired, like like at first we're all in our own thing, but then you know how kids are. They want to walk. They don't want to walk, blah, blah, blah. So we started putting all the stuff in the wagon. And then the kids who were tired and wanted to sit would go in the stroller because they could hop in and hop out real quick to go get candy instead of us having to pick them up and set them in the wagon. So like all this stuff, I know it sounds kind of nerdy getting happy about it as a parent, but it just, it was one of those like efficiency at its finest moments. 
No, it's not and, and nerdy. It was satisfying. I mean, that's cool. Now, I know the boys' outfits because I saw those. Yes. And, and, and JR was a raptor and JJ was a T Rex. I know those went over great. How did Drew and Melissa's outfits go over? Perfect. Everybody knew who we were. Well, there you go. That's so, a good thing. Uh, I mean, you know, the. The uh, JR didn't want to wear his ha- hat the whole time. His hat, yeah, but you knew that. Hat. But JJ wore his most of the time, and he, it was kind of nice in the beginning because you know when it was raining, it still protected him. And then once it got wet, we he ended up taking it off. But people still knew what they were. Our costumes uh, were real well, like oriented with theirs as far as the Jurassic Park theme. But also, we decorated the outside of the stroller. So we had like all the hazard and electric fence and dinosaur signs and all that. Oh like yeah, it was Jurassic Park just dangling around the stroller. Well, I I had asked your brothers to send pictures and Joe didn't send me any yet. But Jacob, your oldest brother, he sent me a picture of he and his family: his wife Jennifer, his daughter Juliana, his son Jackson. Now Jackson, and they were going through their neighborhood. You know, and and they have a nice little sub, you know, and they were going through that neighborhood, and that's what I he sent me pictures of. But yeah, you and we'll show those pictures at at on a, at a later date because he, describing them doesn't do it justice. But <laughs> the one picture that I shared with you just cracked me up. I mean, number one, the smiles in the picture, and all four of them are smiling, and those are real. You can't fake that. Yeah. But secondly, Jennifer's dressed <laughs> in a dinosaur outfit like one of your kids would have on, only it's full size, you know. Right. And she's a little girl. She's but... in like a romper. Yeah, like yeah. a one-piece dino costume. Yeah, and and then Jackson, and he, he'll he be two in January, he was in a dinosaur outfit. Juliana was a unicorn princess. She has this fascination with unicorns, and she's three, just turned. And then your brother is in a a giant blue fuzzy unicorn one piece. That I mean, are you was shocked? Fantastic. And he I mean, told me about it, and I asked him when he told me about it. I was like, "So do you have a tutu or what?" Oh, dude, I'm not. Well, you saw the picture. Yeah, but yeah, and yeah. we'll we'll get that picture up where you can see it at some point in time because, like I said, describing it because you know we're all bigger people anyway. But he's, a, I mean, he still lifts and all that. And he's a pretty big dude, <laughs> and it, it looked like that unicorn outfit was stretching in a lot of spaces. <laughs> <laughs> but it yeah. just looked it looked like everybody or like had. the big gay pony. <laughs> Well, I wasn't going like, to go I don't, I don't know if I want to fuck with this guy, but that's pretty funny. Well, yeah, you might really get the horn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it just it sounded and it looked like everyone had fun. And that's what it's for, and that's a good thing. Yeah. We had Karen talked and, to, Go ahead. Karen and Nick, the, I told you their family dressed up as Sesame Streeters. They actually had really good outfits. I, I don't know what one of their daughters was and i'm sure somebody will will know and i'm an idiot for not knowing she she was some sesame character um i think that had almost like tinkerbell wings on so i'm not really sure 
Um, but I told you the the grandpa had the the Bert shirt on or the Ernie shirt on, and um, Karen was Big Bird. I saw a, that, and that looked funny. That I mean, that looked good, like a Nick, good costume. And Nick was Cookie Monster. Uh, well, that's perfect. And then I I think it's Evelyn and Emily. Or the, I always mix up their daughters' names, but one of them was Elmo, and then the other one had the Tinkerbell wings. And I'm sure it's some character. I just don't remember who it is. But it, they had it. a very good coordinated costume. Um, and, and we just had a lot of fun. A lot of people, a lot of people had like whole family-themed outfits. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. Well, you know, and I know, like I said, we talked about, you know, you guys were all getting ready to go, so I'm glad everything went well. I know a couple of podcasts ago, um, you know, I did a deep dive on, we, and you, you and I both did, talking about Jeremiah Johnson and the, the movie Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. Well, I did, <laughs> I was watching TV the other night, and I don't remember what I was watching, and they brought up Jeremiah Johnson. Now, I did not know this. There was a real guy, a real person that lived during that era. I think he was born in 1824, and I think he died around 1900. And his name was John Garrison Johnston. Well, over the years, he became somehow Jeremiah. People started calling him Jeremiah Johnson without the T. And he was a mountain man, and he did have a, a Crow Indian. I think, I can't remember if it was Crow Indian now, but he had an Indian wife. And she was killed by Crow Indians. Oh, wow. And he did go on a revenge tour. And, you know, you don't have fact-checking. Number one, it's out in the West in the 1800s. So all you're going to hear is folklore. Well, they but say that history is his story, right? So Yeah, and, and exactly. <laughs> so, the victor. so as I'm, you know, something I see on TV references this real guy, Jeremiah Johnson, which I'll be honest, I didn't know there was a real guy. I thought it was all... I knew it was based on a book, and yeah, I thought it was based on the book. It was relative, but you thought it was fiction. Yeah, I, it was based on a book called Crow Killer, not Mountain Man, which I thought. So anyway, this Jeremiah Johnson, this real guy, his wife got killed by Crow Indians. And depending on what you read, he killed 100, between 100 and 300 Crow Indians by himself. And... They got to where they called well, that's him. good KD right there. <laughs> Liver-eating Johnson. Because oh, he would eat their livers. Because the crows believed that the liver, they couldn't go to a proper afterlife if they didn't have their organs. So he was, he was like reverse scalping them. Well, he'd scalp them too. But I mean, like, <laughs> like when natives would scalp you, there was like a ceremonial belief behind it. And so he was doing his own version of preventing them from attaining eternal peace in the afterlife. Right. right. That's what you're right. But again, I, you know, and I'm embarrassed because I love that movie so much and you know, I love history, 
but there were so many things that, and I don't know what, I don't remember what show I was watching, but something I was watching, you know, mentioned Jeremiah Johnson. And then, and they, and then they said a factoid about him, about the real guy. And I'm going, dang. So then I started reading about it and I found out all the stuff, which again, I was, it was cool to me. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because we spent a lot of time on Jeremiah Johnson before. <laughs> but I thought that I just thought that was interesting well, as hell. It's it's I, funny. I, just, I really did. And then liver eating Johnson. I mean, that's extreme. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Well, when you yeah, kill that many all, people, that's extreme all, too. So. <laughs> yeah. And 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 one <laughs> before I forget, I have to share this. Going back to the Halloween thing, yeah. Just real quick. Because I knew there was a great weekend of college football, and I want to talk about that. But your uh, bud's son, Daniel, okay, yes. he listens to our podcast. And okay. he commented to me, okay, now Daniel works, I believe he works for Bowling State University and, well, yeah, Bowling Green State Bowling University, Green. I think. Okay. Yeah. And, and, He's he's like does research and he does all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't know exactly what his job is, but I know he travels all over and I know he works with a lot of really smart people. Well, he commented to me after he listened to the podcast about the possum story, the possum in the mailbox. Man, fuck possum. No, listen, dude. He said that there is a section of researchers at Bowling Green State that are doing research on possums, they're not like disease carrying. In fact, they have an immune system that's incredible. And they will eat poisonous snakes, snakes and get bit. And, the, and it doesn't kill them. And so yeah. people are doing research on the immune system of the possum. And he said, thanks to the possum story, Anytime I walk through that lab in the future, I'm going to laugh because I'll remember the possum <laughs> yeah. story. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I, I, did know, cool. I did know that they were survivors like cockroaches. Like they, <laughs> they do some wild shit and stay alive. I did know According that. According to him. I didn't know the extents of it. They have a magnificent immune system. So, and they're actually doing studies, research studies on it. So, yeah, I, I just thought it was funny. I just thought that him listening, number one, him listening pretty was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Number two, him commenting to me that now every time I walk through that lab, I'm going <laughs> to think of that well, possum in okay. the mailbox. I, I got to, we got to tell the other story then because we, we said we were going to, and I, I do want to jump back to the movies before we go to college football, but um, the, the other possum story, we, we said last episode that we were going to bring it up this episode, uh, the one with, with Joe at our old house when we when we lived way out in the country um over by the lake yeah o over yeah. by pleasant lake and yeah. uh well you go ahead tell the story you no 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 you know it better than me go ahead well I, I don't even remember all of the details i just remember that we used to keep the the dog food in the garage yes and, and so we had a we'd buy the big big bags you know 30 or whatever pound bags of dog food and you just cut the top off and you rolled it up um and, and we would go out there and you just scoop the dog bowl in and then you bring the the dog food in and um joe and jacob went out there together 
and <laughs> they open the bag and that horrific possum hiss happened as they were reaching in and someone touched the possum. I don't know which one. But when they both jumped backwards and freaked out, <laughs> Joe being a little kid at this time, <laughs> Jacob yeah. held him in front of him like a human shield. A human shield. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, let go of me. <laughs> I do remember that. And Nobody Jacob, bit or hurt, but <laughs> I'm guessing Jacob was probably around 12, which would make Joe around eight. Yeah. <laughs> or it was in that neighborhood. It, it give or take a couple years, but still yeah. sacrifice your brother <laughs> using using Joe as a human shield. Oh my god! Oh and yeah. If you guys, you know, I, I'm sure it's it's a little bit funnier to us because we know him personally. But if you knew those two, yes. Um, well, and and Jacob and again, that's much going to hold you. That's me. one of the reasons I, I I've thought about you know going you know <laughs> live video on this thing and i guess i you know obviously we'd have some work to do and i I wouldn't mind doing that and putting in the work to do it uh, whatever i can do on my end but i even thought about making a backdrop for the basement you know like of new york <laughs> city or something <laughs> yeah you can do that um even even uh some of the major like streaming things you can or, or services you can actually just click on one of their settings and you don't even have to have a green screen or anything behind you it'll put you in like another place but you know i i so and then it, you know that being said and maybe we'll get there someday but it, i want to start sharing some photos so that at least when we reference these topics so that at least people can kind of put a real face with in, <laughs> who, who we're trying to describe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. it is, it, it would be funnier. It would be, <laughs> it would be funnier too. <laughs> and as sad as that is for Jacob to use Joe as a human shield, yeah. if you saw the both of them at the time, it would make it even funnier. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you got the one guy who, you know, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to have to outrun you, outrun like you. he trip you. And then yeah. the other one is like the most extreme reactions and drama oh yeah so, so for this <laughs> for the one that's panicking to be held as the human shield <laughs> joe joe does get excited there's no he question does. It's so his good, emotions though. are on his sleeve but yeah yeah that um i anyway i'd i'd like for us to be able to do those things in the future and, yeah absolutely uh, yeah i i just think it would be fun so that being said, what well, a weekend of college football, man. What well, a weekend before of college, college football, football. I wanted to get back to uh, a oh. movie. Oh, um, go ahead. So, so you were talking about um, Jeremiah Johnson and how something had come up and, and it was oh, something yeah. you didn't know. And it, you know, it was kind of cool that you learned that about the movie. Uh, <clears throat> do you know who Mark Luttrell is? Hello? The name sounds familiar, but I can't say that I do. He, he's a he's a famous Navy SEAL. Um, so so Mark Luttrell, uh, one of his videos uh, I think on TikTok has started to go viral again, and it's his nine one one call 
to um, let the police know that someone drove up, shot his dog, and that he is armed and he is now chasing them. And if they don't get there, he's going to kill them. Uh, and, and this is real. Um, and he ends up chasing these people for quite a few minutes, several miles, going 110 miles an hour until the cops catch up and they pull both cars over. Um, and the guys ended up getting arrested and all this stuff. The reason that was interesting to me, I mean, it's a very sad tale, but Mark Luttrell is the guy that survived in the movie Lone Survivor. That's him in real life. Wow. So he's gone through all that stuff. This is one bad MFR. I mean, if I would kill say anybody's dog, maybe not this guy's. His story about the dog is what, it, not the whole thing, not the whole series, but it's what launched the story for John Wick. Okay. And I did not know that. And I found this, this movie like resurfaced, or this, sorry, this uh, recording of his call resurfaced okay. and became uh, popular again. And I was like, why is this coming back? Like, it's a sad story, especially to someone who went through so much shit to then come home and have this happen. And it was because... People already loved him as a hero, but then when you find out he's part of the inspiration for the vengeance that John Wick delivers, if you're a fan of those movies, I thought that was incredibly fascinating. And they took a a really bad scenario, but made it kind of like cool and badass, if that makes sense. And yeah. I just wanted to share that because I had no idea and it kind no, of blew I, my mind. That's cool. That's cool. I, yeah, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have known that. And I mean, I've watched the John Wick movies. Yeah, I, well, I would not have known. That. <laughs> yeah, it's not what you did; it's who you did it to. It's that, like, well, fair. Mark Luttrell's dog. Are you kidding yeah, me? That's There's a not bad many decision, people. man. Yeah, you just made a really bad choice. <laughs> yeah, and and he even tells the police on that call that it's like he's like, I've got two nine millimeters on me, and I am right behind them. Uh, and, and I mean, he is following these guys for a long time and they're just like, he's giving them all the information. He's telling them every time they pass a street corner so that the police can catch up. And I mean, he, he's doing exactly what you would expect a, ex, an experienced service member to do, but the manner in which he does it and which you can tell, like, we better get there. Cause this man's not afraid to take a life. It you can hear it in the phone call. It's like, if I catch them, you're not going to find them. And, and it's a very, <laughs> it's a, it's a spooky call from both ends, but uh, right. no, I just wanted to share that. But you, you were uh, heading into college football. I know we're jumping around everybody. I apologize for that. Um, but you're headed into college football, huge football weekend. What were your thoughts? Well, I think we learned some things. Or I shouldn't say learned. We reaffirmed some things. Number one, George is damn good. Really good. Very good. And you yep. and I talked about Tennessee and how good well they had been playing, and they were scoring 50 points a game. They beat Alabama, <clears throat> you know, 52-49 in a thrilling game, in a great game. Did you watch the Georgia-Tennessee game? I did. Well, I got to... I, I got to watch half of it, and then my power went out because the transformer blew. Well, 
Georgia is basically saying, because Tennessee's quarterback was having a great year, he was probably the front runner in the Heisman, and he was having a great year. He's completing 70-some percent of his passes, ridiculous numbers, and he's a big guy. He's like 6'4", 220, and he can run. I mean, Georgia locked him down. I think they sacked him seven times. They had a Tennessee had a wide receiver named Hyatt that I just didn't think anybody could cover him. Is he number eleven? The, the yes. burner. Yeah. Yes. And Georgia played man that whole game. They were one on one with all of Tennessee's receivers. That's why they were attacking the pocket, and that's a, why they were sacking him and or getting pressure. On got him. A, Georgia has a D back. I think he's number six. He's got like a shoulder brace. He locked them up all. Dude, I mean, they they had lockdown defense all day. Tennessee scored at the end, but that was at the end. That that score didn't mean anything. You know what I took away from this though is I I thought Georgia was above everybody this year. I thought they were the clear front runner, but even though the game was more lopsided than the score. I still think that showed how much better Tennessee is than a lot of the rest of the nation because Georgia didn't score 50 points. They didn't, you know, and Tennessee still got on the board a little bit. And it's like, again, I think if Georgia plays a lot of people, they shut them down so tightly that the even if the game's more lopsided, the score looks more lopsided as to where Tennessee kind of, what was it twenty seven was that the final score? I don't yeah. remember. Twenty seven um, thirteen, I believe. But to hold Georgia to to twenty seven points, especially with they've got the running back that they do and uh Stetson Bennett's shown that he can throw the deep ball. It's like to they really to took their foot points. off the gas in the second half offensively. They really did. They were trying to run clock. I mean, I think Georgia could have put up a lot more points had they played their offense the whole you and they so? didn't. I, I they, only got they, to look at the stat line, so I, I yeah, didn't get to see they, the second half. It was it was a lot like um Michigan, Iowa. It was you know, you stretch it out a little bit and then you just kinda chill. All it yeah. showed me is that Georgia I, I I thought I I said last week I thought they'd win the game. I really yeah. didn't think they dominate dominate like they did because they dominated that game. And I thought it would be a two possession game. I didn't think they would be able yeah. to stop Tennessee's offense every time down the field. I thought they needed to stop them twice, and Georgia would just keep running over them. And so I thought it was going to be more of a barn burner, but where like one or two stops decided the game. Georgia has three good backs. They have the best tight end in the country, and I think he's only 19 years old, and he's a first-team All-American last year, that Brock Bowers. Uh, they have another tight incredible. end. Incredible. I mean, he's the best tight end I've seen in a long time. They have another tight end, number zero, who he's either a freshman or a sophomore, he's and he's like 6'8". Yeah. And he, is a, and he can block. And he can jump. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. can elevate no, for the that, ball. That team is that's, loaded. That's the crazy if, thing to me about Georgia is that their offense is so modern pro 
it, it blows my mind. Like when you when you're talking about and and these tight ends can block, but when you're talking about having tight ends that can that can catch the ball and have a little bit of speed on them or run a really good route to get separation, both of their tight ends are such freaks of nature. They're the type of tight end that you see in the NFL where when you get inside the red zone, you put them split out as a split end and you try and go one-on-one with the fade. And Georgia does it all day long because their tight ends are that freaking good. Yeah, and and Bowers, they, they can split him out. He's got the speed of a wide out. Well, he says he four can, five. He blocks too. It's like yeah, he's and they and and they have a they have a kid named Carter on their defense, and I think he is a true sophomore. This guy is a man. I mean, he reminds me in his build of Indamakansu. He's square. He's big, but he is like a giant block of wood. And that guy gets pressure from the interior on every play. He was in that backfield uh, on the snap half the time, and it was it was like nobody was blocking him. And the, and they're loaded with guys like that. I mean, that team is loaded, and I you know again that paves their way to the SEC title game. If they don't have any hiccups, and I don't think they will, they're going to play the winner of the West, which, if things hold true to form right now, could be Old Miss or LSU. But, you know, and Bama's still got a shot. They're not out of it, but unless yeah, Bama trading. were to go <laughs> to get to that game somehow and then beat Georgia, I don't, I think Bama's out. Of the, they're not mathematically out of the college football playoff, but they're sniffing it. You're going to have to have a lot of teams lose two games. There's a lot. We we talked about this. There's a lot yet to happen about the playoffs. There's still a lot, a lot of stuff. You know, Clemson, they showed what can happen. Clemson was in the playoff last week. Not anymore. Right. And it's like, and Notre Dame spanked them good. And, you in know, Illinois. Clemson is one of the... Clemson is, I think they're a very good team, but I, you know, Dabble Sweeney knows, has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But when you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have any. That's just, I think John Madden said that years ago. And when you've got two, you don't have any. And, you know, this Oogalele or whatever his name is, he's got all the physical stats, but. Clemson doesn't have the same guys helping him that they did. They they've got a nice running back. He's a little small, but they don't have the burners on the outside that they've had in the past. They don't get the separation. Then oh, they bring when you're this not kid. playing the best of best week in and week out. I mean, I think when you finally face a half decent team, you it's going to show your true colors. I think Clemson's well, that, that's fair because lot. their league is not like the SEC or the Big Ten. It's not. It's just not. And I and I don't think Notre Dame's a bad team. They Notre Dame played a good game that day. I I was switching back and forth and watched a lot of that. But a, a lot of the things that you had said and we agree, I agreed, were yet to happen. A lot of them happened last weekend. More of them are going to happen in the next couple weekends because there's a lot of those games that are left to be played. Did you watch? Well, you were without power, so you didn't see Alabama either. Nope. 
I had to watch the uh, the Michigan game on my cell phone. Dude, that that quarterback for LSU, that Jalen or Jaden Williams, the kid I talked about, who reminds me of JJ, only McCarthy for Michigan. He yeah. had a game, man. He had a game. And ch- that, the lead changed, I think the lead changed six times in the second half. It was just back and forth and back and forth. Alabama, you know, there's, you know, LSU scores, takes the lead by three with a minute and change left or something like that. Bryce Young did what Bryce Young does. Drove him right down the field, tied the game with 12 seconds left. They go to overtime. It's in LSU. You know, Bama, you know, three or four, five, six plays, they score. And kick the point. So they're up seven. On the first play, that quarterback for LSU scrambled. I think it actually was a designed run, but it was a hell of a run. He scored. And check out the cojones on Brian Kelly. He went for two. And they got it. I mean, that place was going nuts. But I said... I don't think a lot of teams want to play LSU right now. They're, that quarterback is really maturing. They've always got athletes. They've got you know good backs, fast receivers, and they always have great secondary folks. And they always can rush the passer. They've got a true freshman. His name is Perkins, I believe. He's number 40, and he's like a stand-up in. That guy's a freak of nature, and he's just working himself into the rotation. You know, he's not a bona fide starter, I don't think, or if he is, it just happened. But that team's loaded, man. And there's a whole, I, like you said, still a lot of football. You know, you got the mm-hmm. SEC title game that's got to play out. You got two or three regular season games got to play out. You got... You know, Michigan's got to play Ohio State yet. You know, you you brought it up in show prep. You know, Illinois, they lost to Michigan State. I yeah, was And they stunned. had a chance to do something serious this year. They were ranked and looking good, and they had lost one game. And here State goes through all this turmoil, and we already covered that. And, and four more, but but I mean and, that's still a big deal because four players initially were suspended for state, but then an additional four more. So yeah, and one of them, players. one of those additional four had been the Big Ten defensive defensive player of the week three times this year. That Windman kid, yeah. So they go to Illinois undermanned, and so I'm not a Sparty guy. Don't like their coach. Not a fan of the program. I'm here to give them credit. That was one hell of an effort to go to Illinois shorthanded and beat what I th- I still think is a good team. I have no idea how Michigan State beat them, but they did, and they earned it. I, and, you know, I think some of it's the motivation of being pissed and told that you can't. They know that everyone's down on them this year because they're not as good as they have been. But then when you start losing your starters and additional players, eight of them being out, and they've already had, I think I think I heard last week, they've had 22 different starters on defense this year. Yes. So they've yes. been all over the place. And it's like, 
let's not forget they're all athletes. They they all made it to college sure. football. They're hell of, hell of athletes. I mean, so I, I think when you give someone that spark where it's like, yeah, we don't expect shit out of you, and they're like, I want to prove you wrong, that's how Michigan State beats Illinois, in my mind. I didn't watch the game, but that's just like – you're it's not even momentum at this point you're riding such an emotional wave that your adrenaline is making you play above your means well i and 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 i wouldn't fight you on any of what you said i just i have to give credit where credit's due i don't like mel tucker and i'm not a big fan of sparty but that was a hell of an effort and a really good win and they really needed it and i i was surprised because I still think Illinois is pretty good. And that was in Champaign-Urbana, which isn't the easiest place to play. It was windy. It was rainy. It, like a lot of places were. You know, uh, yeah. the the Ohio State game, uh, they played at Northwestern. And they only won 21-7. to But those conditions were ridiculous. They showed guys warming up. You know, because you're right on Lake Michigan. They showed their kicker out there warming up, and he was just like he wasn't even in pads or a helmet, but he and he had a T, you know, and one of those holder things, you know, the yeah. little plastic pipe that holds it like for field goals. And he's out there and he kicked the ball from about the 35 right into the wind, right at the goalpost. The ball came almost halfway back. <laughs> Yeah, and that was well, warm up. Yeah, I mean, when you've got conditions so bad that that no one can throw the ball, no one can catch the ball, and nobody can get their footing, it's like, well, I guess we just made this kind of an even game, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, now it literally I, comes to who can push the line of scrimmage. I I was shocked. You know, Northwestern hung with them for a long time, and Northwestern's won one game all year, and. um yeah, it, it yeah, but conditions were bad all teams. over, other yeah. than in New Jer- in Piscataway, New Jersey, where the Wolverines played Rutgers. It was in the '60s. Winds were five to ten, and if it rained, it wasn't till late. Boy, I wish it would have rained in the first half, so there's an excuse for that. Oh, yeah, shit. that you know that was puzzling to me. I. I I, they I, played outstanding. I, 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 I'm not saying we played up to our potential in the first half, but when if you go back and you look at the coverage, when we're throwing it downfield, and, and we made a statement, or that was the intention, I say we as a Michigan fan, Michigan made a statement that, yes, we can throw the ball downfield, yes, we will, and we wanted to put it on film to make other people prepare for something other than the running game uh, towards the second half of the season. But if you go back and you look at those catches, the contested catches, I mean, there are four or five where we've got a big shot downfield and it's in our guy's hands, but the guy from Rutgers has his arm between our guy's hands and his chest and he rips the ball out on the way down. I mean, it was phenomenal coverage in the beginning. Well, and JJ had one where Andrew Anthony was open by ten yards. I didn't think he overthrew that ball. All he's got to do is put a little bit of air under that ball. I didn't think he overthrew. I think that's another one of those like Uh, our receivers are afraid to even lay out, so they pull up. I mean, he starts to jog halfway through his route, but then 
it hits him in both hands while he's just stretching forward. Where's the dive? Well, I'm not I saying he, he didn't dove. lead him a too much. But I thought he dove, and I thought he could have. He was he so never left open. his feet. He was so open. If you gave me time to loosen up, I could throw that ball. But I'm just saying, I, he, he never even left his feet, and it hit him in both hands. Well, I thought he left his feet, Jared. I really did, and I thought he dove for it. And it's like, and he got both hands on it, but fully stretched. I mean, and the point being, he was open by 10 yards. Dude, pun it. I mean, loft it out there. It's like, be sure. I, I just, I think that Shiano is a really good coach. And I think Shiano has something, or Shiano, he's got something against Michigan. He, I don't think he likes Michigan. So I think he's, he, you know, he, he, although he's a good coach any week, I think Michigan's a special week. People forget the Bill Martin was the AD at Michigan when Lloyd Carr was retiring. It was announced, before, this was after Les Miles and that fiasco where supposedly Les Miles was coming back. He announced that Greg Schiano was coming here. And he was the coach at Rutgers then. And then all of a sudden the deal fell through. And then we ended up with Rich Rod, which I still thought would work, but Rich Rod was far Ugh. from our first choice. And obviously it didn't work. Well, then Shiano, you know, he coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, that doesn't work out many times, and it didn't work out then. I think he was there a year and a half, two years, and they let him go because he's a college coach in a pro mentality, and a lot of times it just doesn't work. So then he goes, and he's the D coordinator at Ohio State under Urban Meyer. Well, then when Tennessee's playing, you know, musical chairs with coaches because they were switching here and there, they had uh, um, Butch Jones and and then eventually Jeremy Pruitt. Sometime in there, Tennessee announces that they've hired Greg Schiano away from Ohio State as their head coach. Tennessee's fan base went nuts. So then they said, oh, well, we were just kidding. <laughs> we didn't really hire him. So then he ends up, you know, I think he went back to Ohio State. And then, you know, Rutgers, who is, when he was there years ago, he built that program up. And then he goes away, and the program goes right in the crapper. So Rutgers says, hey, you want to be a head coach again? And he says, yeah. I just think he's a really good coach. And he gave, they gave Michigan trouble last year when they didn't give a lot of other people trouble. I mean, Minnesota squashed them. And I, I just think he's a good coach. And, you know, I think, he, I think he knows what he's doing, especially defensively. Well, I think that showed in the game, though, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it was, yeah. they had the lead. It was, it was 17 to 14 and a half, and the final was 52 to 17, I think. Yeah. But, but for the first half, as a Michigan fan, you just had this like sinking feeling like, is this our letdown week? Do we really roll over here? And this is how we decide the end of our season. Um, 
But I, I think it showed. It's like you could tell that they were intense. They were prepared. They were fundamentally sound and, and ready to get after it. And then here comes the second half, and it's like, buddy, you can only punch out of your weight class for so long. And eventually, you know, you and I always say it's like horses, you know. It's like we, they got the bigger horses. They got more horses, whatever you want to call it. And that's what it was. I mean, you you got through a half playing incredible, but then talent started beating hard work in the second half. And you know, and I, I'm not always, saying Michigan didn't work hard. They just had better athletes. No, I, I, I get it, and I agree with you. Yeah, You know, talent's going to win out. If all other things are equal, talent's going to win out. There's no question. And, th- and Saturday was a great example. Whenever Michigan plays, I always listen to the opposing coach's press conference the next day. It's like, what, what did he say about Michigan? And Shiano said basically what you just said. I mean, he's number one, he's very composed and very articulate. I like him. I think he would have been a great coach for Michigan back then. I do. I, th- I think that that would have been the hire, and it was supposedly done, and then all of a sudden he had second thoughts, so it didn't happen. But I listened to his press conference after the Michigan loss, and he said basically what you said. He said, you know, we were prepared and we played 60 minutes or 30 minutes of really good football. You know, we executed, we took chances. You know, they tried an onside kick and it didn't work, but man, they were trying. It was ballsy as hell. And they it was. And and you know, he just said we needed to be aggressive because he said you're not going to beat that team unless you're aggressive. He said that, and this is him talking, and I'm paraphrasing, of course. But he said, you know, that team's in the top in the country in every statistic, whether it's points or yards or rushing yards or completion percentage or sacks or red zone defense. And it's like he's reeling off all these things in his press conference afterwards that was very respectful. But he wasn't like he wasn't blowing sunshine up their skirt. He, he wasn't going overboard. But he was he was very matter of factly saying, you know, we're if we're going to be a team like that, yeah, we got to play sixty minutes like that. We can't thirty and, and minutes. In, thirty minutes isn't going to do it. That's kind of how I you know I was thinking of that old saying about the you know hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Well. If talent starts working hard in the second half, it's kind of a different game. And, and I'm not saying we didn't work hard in the first half, but when you have those uh, adjustments and those changes at halftime and you figure out what they're trying to do, and so you switch their game plan so you eliminate their preparation and you make it, okay, we're going to do what we normally don't do. And since now you're not prepared, it comes to every single athlete's matchup on the field. We just took over the game. And that, and I think that's great coaching. I really do. I, I, I think that's incredibly smart to do when someone's matching up to you very well. Uh, I thought it was very well played. And, and but I, I do give a lot of respect to Rutgers because that that first half was something that I would not expect to see from them. And and it's like okay, as someone who's a fan of any team that puts forth effort, like I don't 
you know, I'm a Michigan fan. I don't like Ohio State, but if Ohio State's in a bowl game, I root for Big Ten, and I like to see them beat someone's ass. Um, as someone who's a fan of football like that, this is one of those exciting moments where it's like, okay, if if this guy's as good a coach as you're telling me, it's like, take this. Show your guys that this is what they did for 30 minutes. Now imagine it's, that they're not playing one of the best teams in the nation. You're going to fucking destroy people. I mean, that, that's exactly what, that's what it's exactly what he said in his PC. He said, you know, there are good things that come out of this game. He goes, I know the score at the end doesn't look like that. But he goes, in that first half, we did some things that were very good. He said, and we've just got to do those for 60 minutes because then yeah. we'll, we'll be okay. And so he was saying they'd exactly be a hell of a team said. if they did that for 60 minutes. But I'll tell you, just a couple of thoughts, that, and I said this to your mom while we were watching the game. Michigan semi-sleepwalks through a first half like that against a team like Ohio State oh. or Georgia. Yeah. It's, it's going to be 35 nothing at halftime, fellas. Yeah. So you, I, you can't do that. Now, we are slow starting. The second part is, is this coordinator, this, especially the D coordinator, and their offense too. I'll give them both, both sides credit. They have made tremendous adjustments at halftime. I mean, that coach, when Harbaugh hired Mike McDonald, who was with the Ravens, Jesse Minter, who's now with the, now the Michigan coordinator, he was with the Ravens too. And John and Jim talked, and you know, no, they won't admit this, but you connect the dots. It's like in John saying, "Hey, man," it, and at that time, neither one of them was a defensive coordinator. Like uh, McDonald was a linebackers coach, and Minter was a secondary coach, or something. I don't know. But they were, they were both on the defensive side of the ball, and, and the conversation went, um, you know, both these guys are good. I'd hire either one of them as my DC. So he hires Mike McDonald, and we know how Michigan's defense changed last year, how much better they got with Mike McDonald. Mm -hmm. Jesse Minter goes to Vanderbilt to be their DC. Well, then John loses his D coordinator, who's been, and he lets him go. They call him Wink Martindale, but Wink's not his name. He lets him go, and he wants Mike McDonald back. So Mike McDonald's in, is now the Ravens DC. Well, Jim immediately reaches out to Jesse Minner, who's at Vanderbilt. Well, would you rather be the DC at Vanderbilt or Michigan? Yeah. And that's no insult to Vanderbilt. That's a great but institution, but football-wise, I don't. I think that's a pretty much a no-brainer, right? Um, and, but this guy, salary-wise, really, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, he. But he really does because I've I've watched. He really makes good adjustments at halftime. But you do that against one of these, especially Georgia, because Ohio State can sleepwalk a little bit too. But you do that against Georgia, you're going to be down 35 nothing at halftime, buddy. I wonder, though, we've always talked about, you know, people uh, being too cute is a very real thing in football. 
right? Like when you try and yeah. do something and, and, and it backfires and you're like, oh shit, now, you know, it's second and 15, you know, like, um, and so I, I almost wonder not to forfeit any early games or anything like that, but maybe you're almost overconfident confident in your team and it's almost not a total facade, but, but a, a hybrid of the truth and something that's false where you're not going to limit your offense, but you're not going to take a shot because you're waiting for a big moment, whether it's in a playoff in the big 10 championship, like an Ohio state game, what, whatever your big moment is, but it's like, are you, are you just holding on because everybody's going to think run, run, run couple, three and outs, whatever. And then you'll pick up in the second half. But when you get into the big game, if you receive, you're just going to go deep ball right away. Like dagger. It's, are you going to run that dagger play where you just try and take all the momentum? And it it really does make me wonder that because we've seen how explosive the Michigan offense can be. What, how come we're not calling those plays in the first quarter? I, I think you're 100% right. I think they're saving stuff. You saw it last year in the Big Ten title game. You know, Corum runs for a long touchdown, and then they do the, you know, the pitch or backward pass to Donovan Edwards who hits Roman Wilson along the sideline, that game's over right then. Yeah. I'm, I mean, that game was over right then. Iowa can't score. That game was over then. And I do, I agree with you. They're saving stuff. But, uh, a, go ahead. They're saving, they're saving things. They still are. I wonder, I text Jacob during the game, where's A.J. Henning? Now, I did see him a couple times. You know, they ran a jet sweep, but man, they ran that jet sweep last year a lot with a fair amount of success. You notice how many times Anthony and Johnson were on the field last game, though? Yeah. Uh, it's like, are, are we now, okay, we're, we're still in good position. We're approaching the Ohio State game. Are, are we now putting everybody back on the field to show more film, give them too much to prepare for because... Not like we want to show all of our cards, but it's like, where have these guys been all season? We all know they're stud athletes. Where have they been? But well, now Wilson that we're coming dress. down the road, it's like, okay, here we go. Boom. Wilson didn't dress, and that was part of it. You know, because Roman Wilson didn't even travel with the team. But, I mean, usually you see Bell or Johnson on the field with tight ends. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, having multiple receivers, two wide, one split, half of that game... I, I do feel like we're not only opening up the playbook for for McCarthy, which I think this was a good game to do it. You're confident in getting the win, and you want to see his capabilities and, and start to get him more comfortable as we come into the games where we need to be more explosive. Um, but but I think it was also to put a lot more on film. Um, but the, the other thing I was going to mention is uh, – you, you had talked about how much better the Michigan defense got. And although, you know, statistically they had been good in the past, blah, 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 with that Don Brown BS, as I would call it, you know, it, the one thing that I truly enjoy about our defense, uh, I, I guess two things. One, it, it appears that our defensive backs are being taught to find the ball now. 
which there was a couple of years where we'd be right there and we never once turned our head around and I never understood it. Um, but, but the other big thing is that you cannot play a field position game with a Don Brown defense. It's all gamble, no save. And it, you might punt them down inside their 10, but it only takes one gash play for them to go the whole field. And now that our defense has transitioned, we might not be as explosive every single player, every single series in pressure, but we're substantially more consistent to where it's like, all right, well, you might have got three first downs, but you're not going 80 yards, so good luck. Dan Brown Brown was, you know, the game, in my opinion, and... Again, has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. The game passed him by. You cannot play man-to-man the entire game against the athletes in the Big Ten and the SEC and many teams in the Pac-12 and the ACC today. But it, it was you almost can't like his, do it. It was almost like his defensive philosophy. I, I don't remember the year, but it was like the old Kansas City Chiefs. There was you like can't. one year where they blitzed every single down and their defense was phenomenal. But once people figured that out, it was no longer a good defense after one year. Two of those picks, Michigan was in a zone. Maybe all three of them. But two of them, they were definitely in a zone. And Minter doesn't play. I mean, you play zone, teams will figure that out too. He switches back and forth. Plus, we always get pressure. Even if we don't get sacks, we get pressure. And against a young quarterback like we played against Rutgers, who that kid's like a really high recruit, but he's a freshman. And well, it's like, when you get pressure, that's a game changer. But he Minter does mix it up. And Don Brown, you remember when Ohio State's putting up 60 on us, he's got guys trying to play man-to-man on crossing routes. You can't do yeah. that. You know, I mean, everybody ran pick routes against us or, well, or a double block bubble screen. You can't do that. That's um, not... To in today's world, and you could have Deion Sanders in his prime. You can't do that every play because (laughs) they're going to run a rub, they're going to run a pick, they're going to run just and all the way across the field. That or a big tight end is going to get you on his back. It doesn't matter. Even even Deion Sanders in his prime couldn't keep up with that. And and Don Brown, I mean, I see he's coaching at UMass now. He's the head coach, and it's a disaster naturally. And I mean, I'm sure he's a nice man, and I'm not. It's just like there I think are coaches a... that it, I think the game passes them by, and I and I think it has Don Brown. I well, I, to me, there are. You know, there's always like a massive understatement to why someone or something is successful. There's always something that is is not um, as obvious, I, I guess. And I completely agree when you're when you're dealing with like the athletes and you're dealing with the speed of the game and you're dealing with the complex crossing routes and the traffic that's going to get caused through the middle. It's like the, playing man is near impossible. One of the biggest things to me that I don't think I don't hear it talked about by the broadcasters. Look how fresh the secondary is because they're not running across the goddamn field every play. It's like people forget that it's 50 yards wide. 
that's that's like fair. You're you got a guy who squatted in a zone. He's fresh all game. But you, you know, look if at, there's not a route on his side of the field, you don't do that. Okay, pure chaos for three seconds, rest for six, like every play, right? If he if he squats in the flats and he's just made, you know, maybe you blitz him, maybe you made a big tackle and he's a little gas, but he, he gets his six seconds, the next play starts, he squats in his own, nobody comes over there. You just gave that guy like another nine seconds to three seconds of the play plus the six second rest. Now, all of a sudden, he's fine. He's recuperated. You've got him back at 100%. And I do think that, you know, it, it helps tremendously interjecting that zone with man because your D line is constantly going to be pushing and running out of energy. And there are going to be plays where you cannot get enough pressure if you didn't have an opportunity to sub. But if your secondary is fresh, they also have the opportunity to bail out your defensive line. We rotate defensive linemen too, which I love because we Me keep too. guys fresh. But, you know, I said that Georgia played man, and they did. Well, guess what? Hendon Hooker didn't have a chance to count one, two. Right. Because they had pressure too. And they, they knew that. They'd bl- so they were playing man. But, and predominantly in that game but they were getting so much pressure they could play man you you like you said you can't have both you can't expect that a guy i don't care if he's the best athlete in the world can stay with another guy who's maybe a top 10 athlete in the world for three or four seconds and be right in his pocket it isn't gonna happen you gotta get pressure and you got to mix up your defenses. Minter's doing both, and I love it. And and that with his halftime adjustments, I think have just been impeccable. One thing that really bothered me One a second, lot Dad. In, in the Michigan game. Say what? Hi, Grandpa. Hi, buddy. How you doing? He said, "How are you doing?" Is that JJ? Yeah, it's JJ. Hi, JJ. Can you go get your mama? How you doing, oh, buddy? He just, he came in here. I wanted him to say hi to you. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. That's okay. One thing that really bothered me in that game, and I don't know if this is hardball, if it's his old coordinator, shame on all of them. The shit at the end? No, no, I don't care about that. Twice, twice we had the ball like first and goal at the two or three or one. And we scored, but it took us four downs because we ran right up the middle. It's like... Would you pitch a ball to one of your men and let him run to the flag or run and don't run a draw or a delay? Run if we run out of the dive. shotgun inside the five, I lose my mind. I, I, I just, and it's like we scored, but it's like, gosh, it took us four downs twice to score. And it's like, come on, man. I'm still, I know your line's game. good. I know your line's good, but. Let's not be stupid. Well, some of that for me comes down to just like my personal belief and how I would handle the game. So like there's a couple scenarios in in which shit like that bothers me. And it's the the first one is at the end of half, there's three seconds left. You got the ball at the 50 yard line or whatever. Uh, I get you don't want to throw your QB's confidence. Your backup should be practicing a Hail Mary. There is no reason, if you have any confidence, any confidence 
in your quarterback, not just like walking out there and fumbling the snap. Put in your second string quarterback and throw it down the field for the last three seconds and a half. I don't care if it gets picked, we'll tackle him. He's got to go 100 yards. I'll take my odds. I'm the same way when you get down to the one or two yard line. Why is my backup QB not having enough snap, uh, snaps to where we can go out there, not risk the health of our starting QB, and go QB sneak it three times in a row? If they can stop that, that's fine. But if we're at the one-yard line, why are we not QB sneaking? It's, it's well, one of the most it, highest statistical plays in football to gain you a yard. It just, it, it just really – and and he – that's why I say I don't know if it's him or his offensive coordinators – because as good of a coach he is, and as he is, and I think he's a really good coach, he is extremely stubborn. I yeah. mean, extremely stubborn. So I just, but I, I will I, say I, this: if you're going to go ahead and run that three times in a row, you better have the the cojones to go for it on fourth. Because we're not like if it, that's where I feel like he was two years ago, and it that's when it was like, okay, I can't watch Harbaugh coach anymore. <laughs> you would you would go up there, be stubborn three times in a row, and then kick a field goal. And it's like, what? No, no, no. You've committed to this. Go for it. I like an off-tackle dive. Not a delay. An off-tackle dive. I like the the leaking tight end. You know, always chip the block, or even the tight end on the right side run all the way to the left. The Lions did it yesterday. The guys stand there wide open, and we got a touchdown on it. All the, every good team does it. I like having Donovan Edwards or AJ Henning or Blake Corum or anybody at tailback pitch them the ball and let them go to the flag. My- it's like. The play that what, I like. How many is, times have we seen Blake Corum make a guy miss? And he's only got to beat him to the corner, too. You're exactly. talking about a couple and, yards. And I, you know, I'm putting a lot of money that Donovan Edwards can do that, too. I think AJ Henning can do that. I think we got a lot of guys that can do that. And you can and do I just that don't with understand motion, too, on like a sweep. It's like the lack of imagination at the goal line. It's really frustrating. For, for me, my favorite play at the goal line, and, and I, you don't see a lot of bigger teams do this. I think I've seen Alabama do it a couple times, but uh, usually you, you see it at some of the smaller schools, and and I think it's just because you don't see the pistol often in right. a lot of bigger schools. But like I like that abbreviated shotgun at the goal line because I don't want my QB all the way back there causing the running back to slow down. Um, but it, when you get in the pistol, so you've got the the QB you know, two or three yards behind the center and then the running back directly behind him, the QB, when the ball is snapped, he turns and he does an instant, not an all the way back in the shotgun delay horseshit, but an instant read option with the running back. And if the end crashes, when he pulls that ball, the tight end on that side runs straight to the flats. And so it's like you've got an instant dive. Now the quarterback's got the ball in his hands if the, tight, if the defensive end crashes down. And he can either run or the tight ends leaking out into the flats, usually with the guy who's supposed to cover him has already crashed down into the line. And I love that play call, especially when you have a, a mobile quarterback, because you've got three options on one play instead of just 
beating your head against a brick wall. Yeah, it, I, I think that they could use a lot more imagination at the goal line for sure. But anyways, so college football, we've got Clemson loses. They were number four. Tennessee loses. They were number two. Illinois was, you know, hot and upcoming, even though they had one loss. They now have a second loss that takes them out. Michigan and Ohio State will have to play before the end of the season. So that's going to take two of your top five teams. And at least one of them will have a loss. Um, It it seems like this shit's getting getting shaken up and, and there's a lot more to come. And I think it's good for college football. I, I still wonder if the NIL deals have uh, affected how competitive teams are able to be because this is a very competitive year. Um, well, and, and, and TCU still got to play Texas, and you just with Texas, you don't know, right? I mean, you don't know who's they jumped out to a huge lead against K State and then hung on to win. But and in Texas, when they play their best game. They're a tough out against anybody, but you just don't know when they're going to play their best game. So TCU's in it now too, right? Michigan, Ohio State, um, Georgia, and isn't it isn't TCU the fourth? And that sounds right, but I haven't looked at it in the last couple. I think of days. it is. They announce it tomorrow, but that's what everybody's projecting. Oregon, who got thrashed by Georgia first game of the year. They've been coming. They've on. been on a roll, and that well, Bonix. Yeah, that, that Bonix isn't doesn't look like the same dude. He, he went from going being that strong running quarterback at Auburn, where they didn't let him throw it much, to it's like this kid's got a fucking arm on him. I tell you what, and he can told, command an offense. I told Jacob when he was at Auburn. I don't know who he's got pictures of, but I don't know why he's playing. And I also said, I think he's a really good athlete, but he better think about playing safety in the NFL. Yeah. Well, or he's really, <laughs> you know, he's changed that because he looks like a quarterback. He now. looks good. Real good. I, that's really one of does. those stories that makes you feel good. Um, yeah. But, but we've kind of been on college football for a minute here. I know you wanted to talk about a little bit about the NFL. Some, some big news uh, locally is that the Lions – uh, traded their their kind of prized tight end and TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings, who are in the same division. Yeah, which is well, an they, odd one. So I didn't follow this much, but I'm sure this is much more in your realm. What what are your thoughts on this? Okay, in it first off, the divisional thing doesn't bother me, and it clearly doesn't bother the Lions on draft day. They traded with the Vikings to get up and take Jameson Williams. So, I mean, that, that, is he everybody, playing now, by the way? I'm sorry? Is he playing now? Not yet. Not yet. They're, the fans are hoping for Thanksgiving. Campbell says it's going to be this year. I just hope they don't. I don't want him to rush him. What well, you've we, already missed this much of the yeah, season. Just yeah. play it safe. I, 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 I'd love to see him play if he's ready to play. But if he's not ready, don't worry about it. The Hawkinson thing, just so you know the compensation, so you know the numbers. And then I want to talk about that for a second. But the Lions received a 2023 second-round pick. So in this year's upcoming draft, in April of 2023, they get a second-round pick. They get a third-round pick in 2024. While the Vikings get a 2023 fourth-round pick from the Lions, and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick along with Hawkinson. 
Now, when you think about that, we traded Hawkinson for a second pit, second round pick this year, but we also gave up our fourth this year. And then we get a fourth or get a third next year, and we gave up our fourth. And people say that that doesn't make any sense. Well, there's not a lot of market. I don't think there was a lot of market for him, and here's why. They've already picked up his option. He's in the fourth year of his rookie deal. He's making about $9 million this year, 9 and change. He's going to make $10 million next year on the fifth year of that deal. Now, I will tell you, I have no doubt in my mind that T.J. Hawkinson was not going to re-sign with the Lions unless it was for top money. Top money for a tight end is going to be in the $14, $15 million range. I don't think he's that kind of a tight end. I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's a really good player, but he's a good player. He's not Travis Kelsey. George Kittle isn't even what George Kittle used to be, although he's showing flashes of it. He's just had injuries. But he's not George Kittle. He's not Travis Kelsey. He is a very good player. And I saw yesterday he caught nine balls for the Vikings for 70 yards. And that's after being able to practice two days. He is a good tight end. I don't think they were interested in re-signing him at that kind of money. I think they kind of knew that he wasn't going to stay here unless he got that kind of money. Because, you know, he's from Iowa. Well, you know, so my question he was, a Can- he was a Kansas City Chiefs fan growing up, but his parents are Vikings fans. Well, he just went to Minnesota. And it's a lot closer to Iowa, and his parents drive to every game. I think he's a really good guy, and I think he's a good tight end. And I think when, you know, the Lions, you know, toward the – because it was, you know, almost right at the trade deadline when they traded him. I think the Lions had him out there, and Minnesota made the best offer. And so I'm not floored with what we got back, but I'm not mad about it either. And I like him, and I hope he does well, and I think he will do well. But – He's been hurt every year. He's missed time every year. And like I said, he's not Travis Kelsey, and he's not George Kittle. And there are a handful of tight ends in, that are, that'll be in the draft next year. Well, that's, who, that's kind of where my question was going. So. That, it, that are not going to be this – is, this is a living lesson which the Lions failed to learn. You don't draft a tight end in the first round. You just don't. Unless you're a very good team picking the absolute best player available, and if you're a very good team, you're picking, you know, 25 to 32. Unless you're that team, you don't take a tight end in the first round. You just don't do it. You don't get the reward. And there's a, like I said, I could name... Three well, or four tight ends right off the top of my head. Schoonmaker right. being uh, one. Well, okay. And so he's so not going to be a like first round pick. What, what about the kids from Georgia? Both those tight ends. Will they be eligible for the draft? No. They're both underclassmen. They won't be available till after next year. There's okay. a guy from Iowa named Laporte who's really so, good. But he that's kind of where fr- I was going with he, it, though. It's like, uh, yeah, do you think this rounder. move 
was more like instead of just trying to get the best trade you could possibly get is this like okay he's gonna leave anyways we suck so we know we've got a high pick a low pick whatever you want to call it one of the first picks in each round so if we trade and with the biggest part of this trade being a pick in the second round from minnesota does that allow us since we've got our first round pick then we can go with an early second round pick and pick the best tight end in the draft to replace him. But then we have a secondary uh, second round pick to to make another standard pick in the second round. So you're you're almost gaining. You're, you're saying this season's kind of shot already. We'll, we'll replace him in the draft, and since we will now have two second round picks we'll be able to get whatever the hell we wanted in the first place. Plus we can reach for a tight end in the second round. Do you, I don't do you even think, think that's the play? I, I don't even think they're going to go second round. They have two tight ends on the roster that I really like right now. One of them's undrafted. His name's Brock Wright. He's a good blocker and he'll catch the ball. He doesn't have downfield speed, but they've got a rookie they drafted in the fifth round this year. And he's just started to play because he, was healthy, getting healthy. His name's James Mitchell. He's out of Vitek. He caught a touchdown pass yesterday. Nice. So I don't think that they put... Should have never all, got rid of Heller. I don't think... <laughs> I loved <laughs> Heller. I know you did too. I don't think that they put the emphasis on tight end. And like I said, of these tight ends, and I'm not talking about the Georgia guys because those guys aren't even eligible for the draft. They're too young. When they are, I'm getting one. Of the half a dozen tight ends in the country, well, Brock Bowers is a first-round tight end if I'm not picking in the top 10. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not, he's not going to make me. I mean, I might pick him in the top 10, just make sure nobody else gets him. Unless I can. Only if I I had somebody else's pick. Because if I'm picking in the top 10, I'm a crappy team. And a rookie tight end, as good as he is, isn't going to change me. That's Just fair. so you know about the draft and about the picks, you're right. With that trade, we now have two second-round picks. But we also have, from the Stafford trade, another first-round pick this year. So we have, if the draft were today, we would be picking fifth with our pick, and we'd be picking 12th with the Rams pick. And then what's our picks in the second round? Fifth. And the Vikings are, you know, 26, 27. Well, they're probably lower than oh, that because they're 7-1. and one. They've only got one loss. That's a pretty good stagger. I mean, if they're not right next to you, like if, you know what I mean? Like you get to see who's taken off the board, pick another player. You might, I, I like those picks that are like late second, mid to late second round because you start getting out of what's best for our team and into who's the best player. And right. that's where I think you get those kind of like gems you didn't expect. So, I mean, if we've got an early second round being our third pick of the draft, assuming we don't make any trades, and then we go mid to late second round with our fourth, and then you follow that up again with an early third round pick, you have an opportunity to steal five of the best players in the draft. This I mean, kid you got to Laporte- not fuck it up. But- this, this kid, Laporte, and Luke Schoonmaker... And I, I personally, I like Schoonmaker better because I think he's a better blocker. Schoonmaker, unless something magical happens, Schoonmaker's going to be like a fourth or a fifth round pick. Right. Well, I'd do that in a heartbeat. 
I would. He's I'd... he's deceptive, and I really think that's underestimated about him. And you know, you you can call me a Michigan fanboy or whatever, but one of the things that I think separates him is like he's not blazing speed or anything, but his cuts are very precise, and so he gets you that two steps of separation to squeeze the ball to your tight end, so he can use his big body. We know he's a good blocker, but. He still he his cuts give him that separation so you can get the ball in the window and because he doesn't get caught up in that traffic because his cuts are so clean timing routes are everything on third down and he's there every time. Again, I like the two guys they have on their roster. I'm not saying either one of them are all pros, but this rookie, let's wait and see what he's going to do because he looks good. Yeah, right I just now. don't know who he is. But well, he got hurt his senior year at Vitek. That's that sounds like slipped. somebody we draft. Well, of course, uh, we always <laughs> draft. Who don't want the lame duck? But Hell yeah, draft he's it, actually. Baby. But he's playing now, and I, honestly, he looks fast. Next, we'll draft. And I haven't that seen him. Head. I, I haven't seen him drop a ball yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring back Chase here. So, so, that's an unfortunate accident that happened to him. Well, that is the type well, of we put him. You know, we take him off waivers. <laughs> no. So I mean, their draft capital is set up good. And again, I like Hawkinson. I just didn't think he was the eighth pick in the draft. How much say do you think Campbell has in getting the player he wants in the draft? Well, I think he's got a lot. I don't know. I wouldn't put a percentage on it, but I, I, I tell you what. I like Campbell being in the room. I like Chris Spielman being in the room. Um, you got to have Spielman in the room. Brad, I mean, the Brad Holmes. So smart. Will, I mean, he, he's, you know, you look yesterday and they won, and I don't want to get into their game yesterday. They did win, but yesterday – but Rodriguez, the other team forfeit or you know, no, they beat the Packers, you know. <laughs> oh and Aaron oh, Rodgers. But yeah, yesterday, turmoil around the Packers. Rookie players. Josh Pascal, who's playing now, who was a second round pick, had yep. a nice game. He had five tackles. Rodrigo got hurt in the first quarter with an elbow injury, but Rodrigo, we know what he is, and we both like him. Malcolm Rodriguez. Yes. That Kirby Joseph, that third-round pick, he had two picks yesterday and a couple of of uh, pass breakups. And Aiden Hutchinson had a pick. Whoa. So it's like those are four rookies right there. Those are four rookies right there. He had it like was a so J. J. cool. Watt-esque pick where he's got like a, a delay as the defensive end where he's on contain and he it just was, jumps and caught it. It was fourth and goal and... Green Bay ran a tackle eligible, and Hutch read it, and he dropped into coverage, and Rodgers threw the ball almost right to him. That's awesome. It was great. You could see. I mean, he was lined up with his did hand down. Did he check down. it out? Or did he Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. He, come he, on. He, if I got a chance a, to stiff arm Aaron Rodgers, nice, I'm playing nice him into his grave. No. no. I'll never forget your brother. Clayton <laughs> Hutchinson's got a hell of an arm bar. You're, Just you're, <laughs> he got a nice celebration, though, I'll tell you that. I'm going to But, have to you know, and it's Aaron Rodgers, for God's sake. But, yeah, those are all rookies. But your That's brother awesome. at game at K, and I was so tickled for him. I mean, he was playing safety, and he got a pick, you know, and he was I, I he played some, but he didn't start or anything. And um, 
he <laughs> he got a pick late in the game, and I mean, he was almost at the back line of the end zone. Yeah, nine and, and a half it, yards deep, <laughs> and he brought it out, and he, and he got knocked out like at the ten. And you, man, does his coach chew his ass. But if I'm going through the the hell and the shit that he went through to get on that field, dealing with twenty different coaches and all that, and it's like. At this point, fuck it. What have I got to do? I would have been so excited. I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the same thing. But, you know, man, did his coach give him hell for bringing that ball out. And, I mean, he was. He was, like, in the back of the end zone. (laughs) But, anyway, enough, enough NFL stuff. I had talked to you earlier. Yes. And I had asked you about. These are, I think these things are funny and I'm old enough now. I don't give a crap. I'll admit, I'll admit to them. I was talking about, do you have a guilty pleasure or something that maybe, you know, you can odd or off the wall you do, or you're embarrassed. You, yeah, you don't, you don't advertise to everybody that you right. do it. Like I, I, the example I gave to you is like, I can't, I can't, you know, go to McDonald's a lot anymore i mean i can't i can't have all that salt and um but i still like mcdonald's food man i still do and and on a rare occasion i will go to mcdonald's so but my my guilty pleasure that i was thinking of today did have you ever watched i know you've watched the show cops right yeah, bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? Yeah, and like that, Alaskan right? State Troopers and all those. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah, and th- th- I wouldn't even didn't even feel guilty about that. I watch one called Jail, and oh my god, <laughs> is it hilarious? These people are drunk and high, and it's like they're booking them into jail. Have you ever seen it? I have not, but these, <laughs> these, I remember watching shows like this with you growing up and like when I lived at home and they're just, I understand the entertainment value, but for me, I get grossed out in how disgusting people are. and it, it, yeah, it's like I... I feel embarrassed and ashamed for them and like I need to shower. <laughs> well, that's why it's a guilty <laughs> pleasure. I, doing dude, its job, but <laughs> it's, it's mesmerizing to me. Like I, I, I can't swear. watch that type of, you know, for lack of a better term, I can't watch like the type of people that are just pure trash. And you're going... It, like the guy who's, you know, drank a whole bottle of moonshine, his intoxication level is off of this planet, and he's arguing with the cop where the cop's trying to give him a break, and he's going, well, should I give you a ticket? Well, I don't know. You're the cop. It's like, dude, you're arguing your way into a ticket. I, all the time. And, and I just, that to me. You like, know, or that. the guy who's just, you know, hammered, and he's barely coherent. And it's yeah. like what Ron White said. He goes... I woke up and somebody had shit my pants. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. Those, I can't walk straight line sober. <laughs> that's a the but and I admit it's stupid. I had I totally admit it. That's why it's a guilty pleasure because yeah, no, I enjoy true. it. 
I I enjoy watching them. And your mom, she'll like roll her eyes, but then she'll be watching it too. Yeah. It's just a train wreck and I can't help it. (laughs) What? Okay. Now that's one of mine. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Um, for food, it would be Oreos. Like you can bring. Yeah, but Oreos is mainstream, man. But Everybody just, yeah, likes but, Oreos. But not to this extent. So <laughs> you can bring any sweet into the house, and I may snack on it. If you ask me to avoid it, I'll avoid it. Or if I'm not in the mood, whatever. It'll be gone before I even think about getting into it. But if you bring, I don't like double stuff. I know that's crazy. I don't. But if you bring in a pack of Oreos, like a family pack of Oreos, there is something in my brain that just says you have to eat the entire thing as fast as possible. <laughs> and I can't. And I, when I say this, so like, and I'm sure a lot of people find this gross. Um, <laughs> I I just say that it's Oreo sludge. But what I do is I take Oreos and I drop them into a cup. And now when I'm telling you that I eat too many, and that's why I like I will be like pissy with Melissa. It's like you cannot keep buying Oreos. I can't stop eating them. Um, I will take them out of the bag or out of the tin in like a pinch between my finger and thumb of four Oreos wide. And I drop them into a standard like 16 ounce glass. Until I get 12 in there, and then I stuff two more on the top. So there's 14 Oreos. And if you know me, I'm OCD. So it's the same every day. Yeah, time. it has to be 12. Yeah. And so I, and they have to be dropped the same way, everything. And then I fill <laughs> the glass with milk and I smush them all to the bottom and I drink the milk. And then it creates like essentially a much more chocolatey version of dirt pudding. Right. But it creates this Oreo sludge in the bottom, and I will eat it. And it's like, uh, it's bad enough if I do that once, but I might do it twice in the same day. Like, I'm going to eat the Oreos until they're gone. I can't, like, and it's like a thing. It's almost like a nervous tick where it's like my brain knows that they're in the house. Uh, so so that's it with food. For, for most other things, uh, I don't have anything that's that bizarre. Um, like a show? Well, you know what? I like I'm a lot of you magical shows. I'm going to call you out on that. You, it surprises me about you. Chick flicks and musicals? You love musicals and the Glee show and all that. And I know you don't feel guilty, but that's one of those where I feel guilty because you like it. (laughs) Well, okay. I like shows that are like Glee. Like, okay, like a show like Glee where like, uh, that one's designed to be entertaining through musical. I, I'm not a big fan of musical movies. So, like, I love chick flicks, and, and I will like things with musical numbers in them, but, like, a, a big thing is just, you know, you, you know how you get, like, shit forced on you? Like, every show has got to have biracial couples and homosexual yeah, scenes, and it's like, it doesn't matter what your belief is, but, like, you almost feel like they they put stuff in there that's not necessary. A lot of shows now, one episode throughout the year, they have like a musical episode. I can't stand that. Now, if I'm watching it specifically to watch like a musical, I will enjoy it. I like I like plays, but I mean, depending on the play. Um, but you know that that part is. Um, it, it, it's Didn't a little you bit like more that annoying. show Glee? 
Yeah, I did. I mean, early on, I did. Towards the end, um, it became a lot more about homosexual rights and teens getting pregnant. And and I, it was just like the trashy drama that I don't like. We we all know it goes on in America, and I, and I don't care what anyone's preference is. That's up to them. Good for you. Do your thing. Um, but, like, I, I just, after a certain amount of time, you get exhausted being beaten down with people bitching about oppression. And, and that's kind of what the show turned into. And it's like, I'm not saying you don't have a just cause or any of that. I'm not trying to make it political, but it's... It is exhausting to listen to it. And every time you turn something on and you try and get away from your stress, that that's just brought back in. So um, towards the end, I did not like the show. But in the beginning, yeah, I did like that show. Uh, but, but no other. Now, but, and I know you. that's not a guilty pleasure for you. Like I said, I felt guilty because you watched it. No, but, my, my other guilty pleasure, like in, in things that I would do. Um, on like a, I wouldn't even say semi-regular basis, but in something that involves things that I enjoy um, with video games. I like video games. I don't care if anyone doesn't. That's fine. But one of the things that I do enjoy is um, building a story inside my head of like the purpose that I'm accomplishing a task in a video game. If it's just an open world free roam and it doesn't have its own plot or there are games where like, you can be a police officer or, or a criminal or different things. And it's like creating the lore. Uh, they call it role playing. Um, but it's almost like you act as if you were a specific character and you build your own journey. But it's the game has very little to do with it. It's all your imagination and perceiving this person has like a whole life there and you're going to act like this person. That's one of those things that a lot of people think is way out there, but I, I really do think it makes the games more fascinating. I can't do it on the level that a lot of the very in-depth gamers do. Um, but but I do think it's like, like if we're traffic cops, but instead of giving everyone tickets, we like knock down a pedestrian and, you know, we're like, hey, fucking suck it. You know, <laughs> but I'm Officer Dude. Bob that day. It's like, that's funny. And that's what I get a kick out of. That's not a guilty pleasure. A guilty pleasure is like riding a moped or something and enjoying no, but, it. Well, but role play is like that in the gaming realm. So like okay. so so if gaming is riding a motorcycle, role play is having a moped. <laughs> and, and for Are real, like we all called, play we all play badass shooters and all this stuff. But when you start pretending <laughs> like you're a child with an imagination, when you start making pretend, that's when it becomes the guilty pleasure. Like some people just look at you okay. and be like, "Well, that's gay," and you're like, "I don't care, man. Do what I want." That's good. But that's good. That I, that might be the thing that kind of separates it for me. I mean, you've known this, but I am very much the type of person where it's like. If I like it, I'm not typically embarrassed about it. You can deal with it or not deal with me. That's kind of my thing. So having well, I a told guilty you about jail. Kind of tough. I told you about cops, and I don't care. I just, it, it is. It's like. But see, I would think your guilty pleasure, like to me, from something we've talked about before, is the draft. Everybody well, likes fair. a draft, but like 
the way you and Alan get into it, a lot of people think it's cool, but there are some people who might think it's nerdy and it's one of those things you enjoy, but you're like, yeah, it's kind of nerdy. That's that, that is probably a better example of the equivalent to, to the video games. A a lot of people like video games, just like a lot of people like the draft. But when you guys get super into it, that's kind of where role play takes video games. All right. Well, yeah, we're running up on what almost two hours here. Yeah, so. uh, I think we should probably like next week make it a point. I'll make it a point to have an Alan story, and yeah. um, also we'll think about a movie and talk about. And I, I'm I'm gonna bring up a classic movie. It may not be you know um, a movie even in the last ten years, but I'll bring up a movie that I think was good and will. We'll go from there, right? Yeah, absolutely. That sounds good. Um, everyone who made it this far, I appreciate it. Uh, we we would love to hear your thoughts on everything. What we've talked about, your opinions, if you have any on those, if there's subjects you'd like us to bring up, um, or, or potentially the length, if you think it's way too long or it's not long enough. Um, any comments also, are appreciated. Would you like us to any. add video? Would you like us to add pictures? All of those things would be great. Um, please like, share, subscribe, and as always, be safe, be smart, make good choices, and we'll see you guys later. Peace out. All right, man. Take care. Love you, Dad. Bye. Love you, too. Living life every day, late at night, not okay, all I want. Fuck me, I'm looking in the mirror So foggy, but I've never seen clearer I don't really think anyone can save me And honestly, I'm not really sure I want saving I like to be my own worst enemy There's no risk if you don't try at anything So I'ma just get by in everything See you in the next life, hope to be a better me I don't think that my head's on straight Gotta flip it and grip it and go and get an x-ray What's wrong with me? I just feel way Pushing on my chest and it squeeze till I suffocate Better change my mindset, meditate It's pretty cool that I'm alive in that better day I could walk, see, hear, I should celebrate Think I could change my mind, maybe elevate Living life, every day, late at night Not okay, all I want, and I pray All I need are some better days Yeah, all I need are some better days Cause all I want, and I pray Kinda stuck between a rock and a hard place Do I work hard or live at my pace? You're only young once, yeah that's all great But I also want a future where I'm okay Living life is doing lots of cocaine Wait no, it's living with no shame Wait no, it's sleeping in on Sundays I guess it's different for each of us and that's okay Well I just wanna be happy How to get there, hmm, glad that you asked me I think it's different for everyone Some of us need work, others need fun Some of us need purpose to overcome But try to do what you love when it's said and done Cause there's so many differences in each of us Trust your gut, it can show you what you want Living life, every day, late at night Not okay, all I want, and I pray All I need are some better days Yeah, all I need are some better days Cause all I want, and I pray I believe in the better days Living life, every day Not okay, all I want, and I pray All I need are some better days Yeah, all I need are some better days Cause all I want, and I pray I believe in the better days